Looking to take your career or small business to the next level? Well, you've come to the right place. This is the Melissa Washington Show with your host, Melissa Washington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Melissa Washington Show. I have a very special guest um, here today, Sergeant Stephanie Shannon. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for um, allowing me to come on your show. Absolutely. And you are going to be one of our featured speakers at the California Women Veterans Unconference, and I'm so, so happy that you're flying out to be able to share your story uh, with other women. And I know that there are going to be other women in that, in that audience, other sisters of ours, that are going to be able to relate to so much with the story and your life that you're going to share um, that morning. And again, so appreciate you coming out. But Wanda, you know, kind of want to talk about about you first. Like, why why did you join the military? You know, a lot of people that's what the questions we always get asked is like, why did you join the military? Or why did you join that branch? Right? Like, okay, because right. you don't look you don't look like you're in the military. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> right? So 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 why why the military? Why the army? Well, yeah, um, actually what it was is I was in school at the community college in fashion merchandising, so I was like girly, girly, and, you know, even though I played sports and fit, you know, I used to see these commercials, you know, be all you can be in the Army, you know, and it's uh, so exciting, you know what I mean? You see all these pictures, you can travel, and, you know, and then it was Uncle Sam, and then they could pay for college, you know, I was like, wow, this could be cool, you know, I can do this. You know, so I signed up uh, after I finished my associate's degree and I um, was sent over to Fort, Fort Dix, New Jersey for a basic in AIT. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm good. I had actually signed up just to read earlier. And I was like, well, I'll just join. And I tested on the ASAP, you know, high in every area. And I just was like, what do I really want to do? And I looked at the jobs and they're all, you know, some of them are really manly. And I was like, oh, I don't, oh, that seems too hard, you know. But I was just kind of figure out where I didn't want to be stuck in that office all day, you know, for the administration. So um, I joined in a, uh, as an 88 Mike um, transportation specialist. I figured if I drive, if I'm a driver, I'll be able to see the world and not be stuck in one place. So I definitely wanted that adventure. And, and what, um, what year did you join? Mm-hmm. Um, 1989. So you joined in 89. Mm-hmm. And um, so now where's so your first duty station? Oh, actually what it was is that I joined reserves. Okay. And in 90, I went to basically IT. Five months later, I was placed in my um, duty station was in Muskegon, Michigan at 180 of transportation. And less than uh, a month after I got that, our unit was activated mm-hmm. to go over to Desert Storm, to the Gulf War. Mhm. I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. I couldn't believe it, you know. So I was like, really? So you know, I was young. I was twenty years old, twenty-one actually. And I was like, well, I don't have any kids anymore. Okay, this can't be too high. I wasn't really scared, you know. I really was like, I've always been a risky type of person, and so um, being activated, and then when I land and and you know, I'm ground there. Saudi Arabia was so surreal. I couldn't believe it. it was all sand everywhere, and you know, and then it was like. Uh, the temperature, 110 degrees on a regular, 60 at night. It was just culturally shocking. And where did you, and now? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay, so you grew up mm-hmm. in Michigan, going yeah. to the desert. <laughs> yeah, it was like culture shock, and I was like, and I love heat. You know, I like the hot weather too. And I was like, okay, at least it's hot. You know, it could be worse. You know, it could be freezing below weather. But yeah, yeah. So I really. 
it was a, a fun experience. Um, we had 14-ton tractor trailers, so I was a trucker, a real, you know, big wheeler. And the thing about it, you know, when you first come in, you kind of don't know much. You're private. You know, I was actually a PSD, and still you're not privy to the information. So all we did was get, you know, information down at the last minute and told orders. So we wasn't even privileged to what our mission was. You know, it was kind of high anxiety at all times because I didn't know what to expect. So um, being new in the military, I just worked really hard over there, did a lot of traveling. We drove over millions of miles, traveled various countries, six different countries, hot patriots, animals, waters, missiles, you know, a lot of hard work. It was very harsh conditions at the time. Um, They didn't have washing machines, so we had to hand wash everything. We didn't have showers, you know, they had the portable showers, you know. It was really like, whoa, you know, primitive (laughs) living. And, um, you know, eating MREs on the road, it was really something different, you know, so. Now, what about women? I mean, were you, I mean, were there a lot of women with you or not, or what was that like? Yeah, in our unit, we had uh, 16 women, actually. That was kind of a large number, yeah, but out of 150, but we had a camp that we were uh, stationed in with other units. So it was like 500 people in our camp. We call it Mom Poo Poo Bay. Because <laughs> over, there, <laughs> over there they didn't have the plumbing system. You know, it was, like, really, you know, bad. It smelled really bad. And, you know, a lot of pesticides. You know, and you talk about primitive war. They actually literally have these trucks where they come out and suck out the, you know, remains, you know, feces. And it was really wow. unbelievable. So, yeah, um, yeah, it was a culture shock. And so we had, you know, the women, and everybody kind of clicked off in their little friendships. And I kind of felt odd. I kind of felt like I didn't really fit in while the women. I had one girlfriend that was from Grand Rapids, and we knew each other growing up. But it was just really like kind of a lonely time, too. Hmm. Um, it's different. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really, um, I really had a difficult time because of some of the things I believed in. You know, some of the things that I saw and the behavior some people had, I just didn't believe in. So coming from a strong Christian background, you know, and, and kind of seeing uh, kind of a wild lifestyle or, you know, some unconditional behavior was shocking too. So I talk about that in my book, mm-hmm. uh, the experiences I had over in Desert Storm. And during the time I was there, um, I experienced a lot of sexual harassment, a lot of sexual har- harassment. Um, you know, at the time I didn't know it was MSC, military sexual um, trauma. I didn't know mm-hmm. that, you know, the following, the cat names, two women, one was sexually assaulted and fully blown raped over there. I was constantly under harassment and stress, and and I just really had high standards. I didn't believe in giving in just for favors, but a lot of women did. Mm-hmm. So um, that really kind of messed me up mentally and psychologically because I was expecting the military, you know, to be this is Uncle Sam, black and white, you know, this is what you do. These are the rules and regulations. These are the policies and procedures, and none of that happened over there at all. It was a whole other uh, world, you know. And yet being new in the military, um, I didn't really have a previous experience to understand it all. So it was, it was something different over there. Now, how long did you spend over there? Eight months. Eight, eight months. long months. Wow. Jesus. Yes, we, you know, they told us they can keep us up to two years. So, you know, every time you just working, 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 it seemed like never ending. You know, the war was short. A lot of people said, well, the Gulf War was short. It was the first televised war. But I said, it wasn't short. The work we did, mm-hmm. because from day one, when we hit the ground, we were running, you know, because we had to bring all the ammo up, and then we had to bring back what was there after the war. And I eventually... Um, 
worked so hard, I ended up, I had a back injury. I hurt myself. Oh. And I ended up on profile, medical profile, and I had tennis shoes, so they took me off the road. So you know how it is with your peers. You're not on the road anymore, so then you're ostracized mm-hmm. because you're not doing the work they are. And so I had these long, hard um, uh, guard duty, you know, 12-hour shifts that I had to pull by myself. Ooh. Um, yeah, I was, you know, in these guard shacks, you know, it was 100 or something weather already. So I did, I had a lot of uh, a difficult transition because um, I believe, you know, in the military, a lot of times, you know, how they pick up your bootstraps, you don't really admit that you're hurting, you don't cry, you know, all this strong, mm-hmm. you know, you don't show weakness, you don't show anything like that. So we didn't have mental health professionals to go to, you know, the only thing we had was sick call. Yeah. In order to get some help. Mm-hmm. And then plus, yeah. you, you know, you, you're wearing all that gear, too, so it's just not, oh. you know, right? Oh, goodness. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know how to stay in uniform. I'm talking about 110-degree weather and full-blown BDUs and, and shirt, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you could just do what you want. And then at the time we were over there, uh, when the war just started, we had the fear of, you know, scud missiles, you know. So Don said you should send scud missiles. And that's one of the most things that, that stick out in my mind was um, how – detached we were, you know, it was like fireworks going over our heads. And it had hit a unit, a unit that just got in um, and into the theater uh, from Pennsylvania. And it, it killed several people. You know, it was only like maybe two miles from us. So I remember that night when it hit, I could hear the ground shaking because we were in a bunker uh, underneath that we had to create our own bunkers, you know, in our own camps. And thank God we were at the camp, you know, so a lot of people were on the road when it happened. But I just recall that how that happened, but no one talked about it. You know, it's like, you know, when you send death around you, but there was no debriefing, there was no, we just had to keep working. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just think those type of experiences kind of also added to what my current condition is, PTSD, you know, um, just trauma, traumatic experiences, loss, you know, um, seeing death, um, being harassed and violated. It was not a very... Um, I would say, uh, easy tour at all. It was very difficult. But I just was the type where I was pretty strong-willed, you know. <laughs> so that's, that's what I remain, pretty strong-willed and always standing up for myself. But I eventually, I would say, survived. So when we finally got back to the States, I, I left that unit. I transferred to another unit. And then I just kept living life like nothing ever happened. There was no real debriefing when I requested uh, medical attention, you know, how you feel the outcast yeah. now. And I, and I told him I was having dreams and nightmares and tremors. My nerves was really bad. Um, but there was no um, direction. There was no medical intervention. They didn't tell me where to go. So I just kind of came back home and went to college and started studying for my degree in, in psychology. But I knew something that happened to me, but I couldn't yeah. communicate it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's you know that's so you know discouraging when you hear that there you know no no debriefing, no, you know, no evaluations and here you're telling the military, you know, the things that happened that you need some help and nothing nothing's offered to you cuz you're still now at this time are you active duty or are you reserves when you come back? I went back to reserves. Yeah. You went back to reserves. I back to, yeah, I went back to reserves unit and then I switched over to another medical headquarters unit and still I guess, you know, they look at it like this, you know, if your arm wasn't blown off, you weren't shot at, you know, you know you're fine. They're looking at you. When you experience what I call an uh, invisible wound, you know, mm-hmm. that creates a psychological disorder, they're looking at you like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So it's very difficult to be a wounded person and go to the doctor 
you're expecting the doctor to diagnose you, but you're not being diagnosed. You're being belittled or discredited. You know, they're like, there's nothing wrong. And then also people don't know about the golf or illness. Um, um, it's a multi-symptom illness. It's very similar to the Agent Orange to Vietnam better. And when we were in theater, we were exposed to sarin gas, depleted uranium. We had to take these PVT pills, the yep. white pills. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, my my husband sick. did. I yeah. I, okay. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, we oh. shot up with the anthrax vaccine. Didn't know, you know. And I was sick over there. I just felt really. My body was. I was really healthy before that. When I came back, I had a chronic pain, headache, night nightmares. I was really off. And but they were in denial. They were just saying, you know, nothing wrong with you. And I was like, something is wrong with me. Help me. So for yeah. years, I walked around. With the struggle, I was so disconnected and estranged from my family. Um, I didn't talk about the experience for years, I guess because there was no place, safe place to talk. There was no, especially for women veterans, you know, there was no place to go to share, you know, sisterly support, you know, social support system. It was really disconnected. And when I did go to the VA, it was all these, you know, old guys and, you know, they're walking around and you could see it amputated or whatnot. And those cases were taken seriously. But when I would sit there, and talk just like this, they would say that, well, you're too, you know, you talk too clear, you're too intelligent to be having this problem. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't understand mental illness has nothing to do with intelligence. It's totally different issues. I was depressed, you know. So I really went into this, I would say, a survival mode of isolation and just being so busy. My my coping mechanisms was avoided. So I mm-hmm. just went to school. I went to school and I ended up becoming a social worker and I just worked like crazy, you know. Um, I always had something to do. And even when I was feeling these things and they were coming up, I didn't know how to deal with them because when I asked for help and when I requested benefits, they said they didn't have my medical records and it was denied. So I said, okay, I'm going to move on. So, <laughs> right, as a civilian, I took care of myself. I started going to chiropractor appointments, a little bit I knew to do, you know. But um, as far as mentally, psychologically, the intervention, if I would have had that when I first got out, I would not have. I believe I would. Don't believe I would have developed full-blown PTSD. I really don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's. So. Yeah. Because it's something. Yeah, you can get the, the treatment, and that's you know, which is unfortunate because a lot of a lot of our you know returning servicemen and women are, aren't aren't getting that, or you know, or get it in theater too. You know, start getting help then. Uh, yes. So, so yeah, what, I think that's the difference. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. that should be right. Yeah. You should, it be. should be right it, 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 there. Right, you know, and there's so many different, yes. you know, it's not giving somebody a pill for that, yes. which we know the VA is well known for. Um, yes. But just other ways that, you know, we, we can help with that, whether it's yoga or just other things just to help yes. calm, but also having, having to say it's, it's okay to talk to somebody. It's okay to go to sick hall. I mean, that's, you know, it's, yes. I, I remember that thing. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm just going to have to just live through this fever because I'm not going to go to sick hall because, you know, them be looked down upon because yes. I went to sick hall, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> something wrong there when you get hurt and you can't be healed. I, I didn't get that. I don't understand yeah, how that's I weak. I think that's healthy. And I think they need to have mental health, you know, available, especially over, you know, when there's a war and conflict. They need some therapists there. Oh, you absolutely. Know, they, they need absolutely. that. I don't know if they're doing it now, but I didn't get that because, you know, Depending on your peers, you want to do the same thing, you know. Yeah. You can't really help each other. You can vent, but, you know, you need someone that can give you, um, some, you know, 
coping skills or teach you something or help you process. Um, yeah. What you oh, yeah, through. and, and mm-hmm. give you the tools. I mean, there's so many tools out there um, that can help. So, so yes. when was the... When was, I don't know if it was a day or a week, I mean, when was it that this all just kind of, it all just came together for you? Yeah, um, you know, I stayed in reserve because I, I liked the military. I loved the Army. I liked what we did. I really did. But I didn't like what my leaders did to me. They were abusive, mm. and they abused their authority. So I really um, kind of, my new unit, it was a whole different breed. These guys were nothing like the other place I was. So I just kind of functioned and survived. And I think what happened was is after, you know, I made very, I noticed I took my choices changed in relationships. I got married and divorced. I really wasn't as uh, solid as I was, my, my, you know, my thought process was. And I noticed that. So even when I went to school for psychology, I was kind of trying to study myself. You know, <laughs> I was reading books and I saw things about me, but I didn't know who to go to about it. So um, after working as a social worker for 15 years, I, I burned myself out. I gave, gave, mm-hmm. gave, helped everybody else. And my psychiatrist, she, you know, I was going to see, she said, you need to come off this job. And I was like, I can't afford it. I have to take care of my son. I don't have any help, you know. And I was just like, no, you know. And then that same mentality, you have to be strong. You can't admit you're hurt, you know. That's a sign of weakness. And um, so I really had a lot of inner conflict that was created by that environment. So I ended up, she took me off some stress leave, and that was in 2008, and I never went back to um, work. Mm. Um, so I ended up in the homeless veteran program in Ann Arbor VA, um, and it, it changed my life. That was a big thing because pride, you know, they teach, you know, in the military, you know, you got this pride of strength, and you have to carry this exterior, and I had this hat, I, you know, I wore, and I presented strength at all times, but I would come home depressed and be suicidal and stressed out and, you know, lonely for years. It was just horrible. And um, so when I finally uh, hit that place and I reached out again to the VA, because that's what I, I said, forget it. They denied me in 96. I was like, I'll be fine. I can do it myself. I came back in 2009 and asked for help. I said, I need help. I, I really need some help. And I was, like, by then I was, like, at 10. I was livid. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. all that, you know, that calm person. I was like, look. You guys don't help women veterans. I'm struggling here. Da 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 da. And then that's when they have this um, HUD bash voucher they have now down in Michigan, mm-hmm. um, where they help you. And I was like, wow, really? Because every I've checked over the years for housing, and it was all for men. Nothing yep. for women with children. Yep. And I just didn't get it. I was like, I gotta be a man to get help. And I was like, okay, so, you know, not having just, I felt like it was always barriers and rejection as far as women. It was no safe place for women veterans to go. Um, so hitting that um, place and finally coming off, I couldn't believe that I was in such that storm. It's like a storm I was in um, all these years, this, this conflict I was in, and it was, came to a place of heart and peace because, I was off and I was receiving medical and mental health treatment, and I really did a lot of work, oh, a whole lot of work. Um, went through prolonged exposure therapy, did a lot of digging and uh, visiting places I didn't want to. But I was determined to get healthy. I didn't like my life. I didn't like who I had become, and I didn't know how else to change it. So reaching out was the strongest place. I reached out and did the work. And during that time, that's why I was journaling, just writing my thoughts, and that's where my book came out of, was out of my place of pain. Because when you write in journal, that's safe. You know, you can type it out or write it, and that's, you know, it's a safe place. You don't have to share it with anybody. 
um, but it was so healthy to get that out, and it began to, I began to validate myself. It became to come clear of what happened. So, uh-huh. and you know, yeah. so 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 you're, you're journaling. So when was so so now you, you know you're you're like looking. Okay, you got the PT. We got PTSD going on here, military sexual trauma, and these are all in a sense. These are kind of like new words, right? In the in the yeah, days, right, right, because this wasn't. This, these no. weren't words really used, I don't think, at all. I don't remember those because no. I was in the early 90s. I don't remember any of these acronyms. Or, um, so now it's, you know, it's, you know, the 2000s, so like, okay. Now, yeah. but, now, what made you decide to do the book? Well, um, I started when I was off. I was always a researcher. So in 2010, I started researching all my symptoms and stuff, and I found out about the golf or illness, what PTSD was in regards to MST. And I was just like, oh, my God. I couldn't, you know, just lights went off, and then, I started searching for other veterans, and I met other veterans through social media on Facebook, some very strong women groups of MST survivors, and started kind of hanging out with them and finding out what, and they helped me. They helped me find out. I was just having that same voice, you know what I mean, even though it was a very toxic, dark place, but like, oh, my God, I'm not by myself. So um, what happened was, I, you know, over this time, over this time, I prayed. I prayed. I believe God had a purpose. And I always asked God to take this pain away because I would wake up all the time and it was like this wound, inner wound in my heart. And I was like, I need to be healed. I didn't know where this pain was coming from. And I used to cry out to God and pray for healing. And he told me to write a book. He said, write it. And I was like, nobody wants to hear about my story. I said, you know, it's embarrassing. I was embarrassed because, you know, being successful, you know, so, you know, having a bachelor's degree and being a social worker, being this professional was the thing. And I was like, he said, be transparent and share. And as I wrote the book, it took me about three years of work because I was stopped and didn't want to do it, you know, because of the places that I didn't want to visit. But I found out that's what was the thing was I wasn't willing to face the pain, that that big, ugly monster that was chasing me, I turned around, and once I started facing it, it just whittled down to this little kitten. I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> all this time, these voices that were screaming at me, I could shut them down. So I took that power back. Um, so as I started writing, I started working with um, a group of professionals in Philadelphia and New York that um, coach people, and they really started to build my confidence up and saying, you, your story is it's, it's great. You should share it. And so that's where a lot of my strength came from was other people that were healthier. And so I changed my circle. I started cutting off negative, toxic people, people that, you know, like to vent and be bitter all the time. Misery loves company. I stopped company with miserable people. And it was tough to do that because that was a familiar place for so many years, you know, just being hurt, bitter, angry, you know, lonely, rejected, so I didn't want that anymore. So it was this very difficult shift, but um, writing the book helped me put everything in its proper place, and that was outside of me. So it brought a lot of peace and healing. Yeah. And now, now I'm doing what I do now. Um, it's kind of, it was hard. I wrote the book. Nobody knew it. No, I didn't tell my family or nothing. Nobody knew what I was going through all these years, believe it or not. They was like, you went through all that? Wow. I was like, yeah, I said, because I didn't feel safe, you know, telling anybody because if I did tell, you know how you kind of have friends and you tell a little bit and they're looking at you like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So I kind of whittled back so I just never feel like I could totally open up and be transparent because when I did sometimes people would, you know, uh, put salt in the wound or, or be insensitive or walk over 
something. So I really had a difficult time. But um, after really working with the clinical and prayer and, and finding healthier people, I kind of got my strength back and said, I'm going to, you know, start sharing. So it was hard. It was very hard coming public <laughs> yeah. and um, sharing it because I was like, I didn't want to, you know, I started going to these radio shows. I did like 50 radio shows. I started with that because I was safe. And it was all across the nation. They just started taking off. People started calling me. And then I started doing all these expos and events and just showing up and talking. And it was amazing to see how many men and women veterans would come up to me and break out in tears and say that that experience, it happened to them. It was unbelievable how many people would just stand and hold my hand and cry. I was like, oh, my God, you know, this is powerful. So it's like my purpose was revealed that I had to, you know, once I healed myself, I believe you're able to empower others. You're not able to give what you don't have. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So so with that, you started an organization. Yes. So talk talk. Sure, sure about yeah. that. And yeah, it was, um, I guess, for after traveling for about a year and a half and seeing all this and people reaching out to me, and, and I was like, wow, this really, my, my voice matters? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, and, then, and then they would say it, but it, it got bigger than me. I was like, I'm only one person. I can't handle all this. You know, people calling me, asking, and I was like, wow. So I started the idea of having a conference, a women veterans conference, where um, there's empowerment and women veterans come together because we, we're so disconnected. And... Um, so out of that, that's where the organization came from, Michigan Women Veterans Empowerment. And the goal is to empower women veterans um, to find their voice, to, to um, advocate for them, to strengthen and support them. So that's why I started the organization, because I saw a need. And since then, I have started this, I mean, it's a movement, actually. I've been meeting some phenomenal women veterans that have been suffering silently, not talking about their issues, and we're building sisterhood. So we're working on the, uh, the first conference. that's going to be in November 19, 2016 in Michigan. And we're also uh, doing quarterly sister-to-sister get-together uh, meetings. And um, I'm working on another book project, which is the Our Voices United Women Veterans Anthology Project, where women veterans can start sharing their stories. And so it's power. And, and you're finding your voice. Once you find your voice, I can tell you, and once you find that place of peace, oh, it's just it's such a, a, a surreal experience, and you never want to lose it. So, um, so that's why I started the organization. Fantastic. Now, mm-hmm. so, so in your state, how, um, how supportive do you feel they are of, of women veterans? Oh, wow. Well, Michigan... <laughs> Michigan is 48 a national nationwide fire veteran services so and supporting veterans so we're at the low 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 level and um, the male they do this is what happened they started this what they call veterans community action team the governor I started it two years ago and I got active in that where they were um, pulling they have like 10 regions and they're pulling like business people, people that have passion to help veterans, individuals to try to help veterans. But one thing about it, veterans, veterans are still disconnected because a lot of things that was being created was created by civilians and our voices weren't input. So it's like doing an event and telling me to show up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in what you do it, you know, because it's not something I need. Um, so it's still a challenge. Um, I'm, what I'm doing is the first thing that's ever been done. There's never been a woman veteran conference here. Uh, there's never been a woman veteran led organization. 
Um, so we are like at the grassroots level. So the receptivity, whenever I meet somebody, they're just like, wow. That means 46,000 women veterans, over 46,000 women veterans in Michigan, which is a nice large number. A lot of people are shocked about that. And we make up, women veterans make up 1% of the United States population. So we're very small, but we're the most underserved population. So now I think what's happening in this movement is as we speak, and I told them, I tell my sister veterans, we can't expect anybody to do anything for us. They're not going to knock on our door and say, hey, you come over here. You know, that's not what's going to happen. We're going to have to do this ourselves. So the strength we had to join the military, make the group camp, and even survive all the things we have, we need to take that power and do something creative. So what's been happening, it's been beautiful, is that sisters that I've been connecting with, I believe you attract what you are. They're, you know, coming out with their gifts and talents and coming out speaking their voice. So we are moving forward. But it's, it's kind of slow and steady. Um, but every time a, a platform I step on, they're just like, Awareness, the skills coming off people's eyes, and they're just like, "Wow, really?" I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> it's yep. really happening." So it's it's good, it's good. I'm excited that I, I consider I'm I'm pioneering and being a trailblazer. So there you go. That's yeah. So um, someone that's listening right now, what would what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? So share your you know websites, you know, Facebook, mm-hmm. email. What what do you want to share with them, the best way for them to find out more information about you and to connect with you? Okay, best way will be, I have two websites. Um, my book website is battlingthestormwithin.com. Um, on there, I've got free reports, uh, videos. Um, I have a lot of information on how to file, you know, a claim to win the MST claim. Um, I'm also connected to uh, a veteran network for like 70 veterans advocates across the nation. So I do have, have started um, a strong network of people. So we help people across the nation. No matter where you are, we can help someone, find someone to help you. So we do have that. And also you can go to um, my Michigan Women Veterans Empowerment, my nonprofit site, which is um, Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-M-I, womenvets.com, empowerwomenvets.com. And you can see what we're doing, the, um, the book project, um, the events we have going up. So that's the best way to reach me through our website. You can just send me a note and I'll respond accordingly. And for your book, um, best best way, place to to purchase your book? Yeah, it's right up um, on my website or on Amazon. I have uh, paperbacks, audio, and um, Kindle version. Um, you will also find me on Facebook. I'm, I'm hot on Facebook. Um, my Facebook page, your link is on there, and Twitter, I'm on there, and I'm on LinkedIn. So if you go to my website, you'll see all those links to find me. Um, so, yeah, yes. In the book, um, I can say just hearing from other people, they said I've touched them because I really put a lot of um, wealth in there. But I'm talking about from the time I started to now, I'm talking about parenting, I'm talking about relationships, you know, healing, um, you know, natural methods of healing. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with real real-life things that I believe you can maybe get a couple good um, some welcome. And a lot of women veterans relate to it, you know, because I talk about, you know, how women veterans are not promoted and how we kind of have to fight in the military to get some leadership positions and the difficulty. So I'm, I'm pretty transparent, and I believe, you know, you can't really help anybody if you get all together. You know, transparency has the tendency to help people even more. So I'm pretty transparent and straight shooter, but I also provide solutions. So I oh, think that's it would fantastic. be a good read. Yeah. Good. 
Well, so those that are attending the UnConference April 15th through 17th will be able to meet you. They can also purchase yeah. your book, which you can autograph for them. So it's even better for those to even attend, yeah. um, which I'm That's very true. excited to, to meet you. So. Um, yeah, I'm excited about this opportunity. It's been great. And Michelle Obama wrote me a letter. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I learned from her. You know, I was like, oh, you know, so, yeah, I sent the book, and I was surprised. You know, she got it. She wrote back and, and thanked me for it. And so, you know, it's been it's been spreading like viral. So not even what I anticipated. I didn't know my place of pain would be such a uh, place of strength and victory to others. So I, I feel Absolutely. blessed to just see you. Nope, but it's going to even spread even more. We're going to get you here on the West Coast. So that's cool. <laughs> again, very excited to to have you come out and and inspire inspire others. Um, you know, like yes. you mentioned, you know, the strength and the victory, and that's that's really what we want to help accomplish. And you be, you be in that voice, um, and really appreciate that. So yes, appreciate the opportunity. Great. Well, thank you so much for okay. um, spending the time talking to me. And I'm sure you know our listeners are appreciative of it. And also, too, you know, it's, it's very eye-opening because these are things that most of the time women veterans don't talk about. Or if we do yeah. talk about it, it's in smaller groups. So I think it's good, too, as far as our listeners that may not even be veterans at all to understand some of the struggles um, that we go through as women that have, have served in the military. Um, so. Definitely. And it's been going on, you know, for a long time, not just, you know, OEF, OEF or OIF. So, yeah. Oh, definitely. It's, it's been a long journey. Most of the women veterans I've been helping actually have been seniors, 60 or 70 years old, and have wow. never had services. It's unbelievable. Wow. So, yeah, definitely. And a lot of civilians are saying that, too. They're like, wow, wow. Really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's been great. Yeah, it's been eye-opening awareness and then providing solutions. That's what I believe in. Let's, let's try to help each other. You know, we're supposed to have each other's back. You know, that's what they train us, so let's operate in that principle. Good. Well, great. Mm-hmm. Well, thank okay. you again, S- Sergeant Stephanie Shannon, entrepreneur, um, a mom, a author, <laughs> Battling the Storm Within, you know, kicking, kicking butt there. Um, yeah. So and just, yeah, <laughs> it, it, and empowering, you know, our, our, our women that um, have served and are currently serving. So, again, I'm so looking forward to um, meeting you um, next month. So, again, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. God bless. All right, you, you too. too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Melissa Washington Show. Branding, career transitioning, marketing, you name it, she's got you covered. Head on over to MelissaWashington.com to stay up to date and get access to past shows. We'll see you next time.